Welcome to Money Mayhem, exploring the most electrifying episodes of Wall Street's wild history and beyond. Written by Trader Joe, a secretive Wall Street insider with 30 years of experience under their belt, each series pulls back the curtain of Wall Street and beyond, revealing the clandestine maneuvers, obscure tactics, and closely guarded strategies that shape the financial world. This episode is The Enron Chronicles, Tales of Betrayal, Manipulation, and the Dark Side of Business. In this multi-part saga, we'll be unraveling the story of Enron, one of the most infamous business collapses in history. This tale of betrayal, manipulation, and the dark side of business will leave you questioning everything you thought you knew about corporate America. Before we continue, a word from our sponsor who makes this podcast possible. Introducing the Mitzi Motsi Discovery app, a captivating foreign language learning experience for children aged 2 to 7. Research shows that early foreign language learning enhances critical thinking, problem solving, and creativity. With the Mitzi Motsi app, children can explore English, Spanish, Mandarin, French, and more. Your subscription grants access to over 250 interactive ebooks. So download the Mizzy Motsi Discovery app and start your child on a magical language journey with a free 30-day trial. You can find the App Store download links in this episode's description. And now, on with this episode of Money Mayhem. Here's what you can expect. Part 1. Rise to Power. Where we'll explore the origins of Enron and how the company rose to become one of the most powerful energy companies in the world. We'll delve into the key players who helped build the company and their early successes, as well as the unique culture that fostered their aggressive, profit-driven mentality. Part 2. Smoke and Mirrors Here, we'll examine the fraudulent accounting practices that enabled Enron to hide massive losses from its investors and the public. We'll explore the use of off-balance sheet entities, mark-to-market accounting, and other creative financial maneuvers that allowed Enron to present a false image of success and profitability. Part 3. The Fall In this part, we'll trace the unraveling of Enron's house of cards from the first signs of trouble to the eventual bankruptcy filing. We'll examine the key events, such as the resignation of CFO Andrew Fastow and the exposure of fraudulent accounting practices by investigative journalists that ultimately led to Enron's downfall. Part 4. Scandal's Ripple Effect In this part, we'll explore the wide-ranging impact of the Enron scandal, from the thousands of employees who lost their jobs and retirement savings to the broader financial markets and public trust in corporate America. We'll also examine the legal fallout, including the prosecution and conviction of several Enron executives and the resulting changes in corporate governance and accounting regulations. Part 5. Lessons Learned In this final part, we'll reflect on the key takeaways from the Enron scandal and how they continue to shape the business world today. We'll explore the importance of transparency, accountability, and ethical leadership in corporate culture as well as the ongoing challenges of detecting and preventing corporate fraud and corruption. So, buckle up and let's dive into the Enron Saga. Part 1. Rise to Power Enron's story began in 1985, with the merger of two natural gas companies, 
Houston Natural Gas, and Internorth. Kenneth Lay, who would become one of the most prominent figures in the Enron story, was appointed CEO of the newly formed company. Lay was a former Pentagon economist and a staunch supporter of deregulation in the energy industry. Little known fact, Lay was once quoted saying, I believe that deregulation is a natural outgrowth of the human spirit. His views on deregulation would go on to shape not only Enron's business strategy, but also the entire energy industry. The company experienced rapid growth, which was fueled by an insatiable appetite for acquisitions and an aggressive approach to the newly deregulated energy markets. But it wasn't just Enron's rapid expansion that made it stand out. It was also their innovative and controversial business practices. Enron's success and eventual downfall were orchestrated by a handful of key players. In addition to Kenneth Lay, two other names stand out, Jeffrey Skilling and Andrew Fasto. Jeffrey Skilling, a Harvard Business School graduate, joined Enron in 1990 as the head of their new trading division, Enron Finance Corps. Skilling's innovative ideas and ruthless ambition helped him quickly climb the corporate ladder. In 1997, he was appointed Enron's president and COO. Little-known fact, Skilling once famously said, I am Enron. There are no rules. This quote would come back to haunt him in the wake of Enron's collapse. Andrew Fasto, the company's CFO, was another crucial player in the Enron saga. Fasto was the mastermind behind many of the complex financial schemes that would eventually bring the company down. He created a web of off-balance sheet partnerships that were designed to hide Enron's mounting debt and inflate the company's profits. Enron's unique culture was a significant factor in its rise and fall. The company promoted an aggressive, profit-driven mentality and fostered a high-pressure environment that rewarded employees who delivered results, regardless of the methods used. One amazing anecdote that perfectly illustrates Enron's culture was their infamous rank-and-yank system. Employees were ranked based on their performance, and those in the bottom 15% were either let go or had their pay and bonuses cut. This system created intense competition and pushed employees to find creative ways to boost their numbers, even if it meant bending or breaking the rules. Another little-known fact, Enron's corporate motto was, Ask Why. Ironically, this motto encouraged employees to challenge the status quo and push boundaries, while the company's leadership engaged in unethical and illegal activities that would eventually lead to its downfall. By the mid-90s, they had successfully transformed themselves from a traditional natural gas company to a trading powerhouse that bought and sold energy contracts like stocks. Their market value skyrocketed, and they soon became the largest energy trader in the United States. One of their most significant achievements was the creation of Enron Online, an electronic trading platform that allowed them to trade energy contracts and even weather derivatives with unprecedented speed and efficiency. Launched in 1999, it quickly became the largest online trading platform in the world. Little known fact. At its peak, Enron Online facilitated trades worth more than $2.5 billion per day. That's roughly the GDP of a small country like Belize. 
In 2000, Enron's stock price reached an all-time high of $90.75 per share, and the company was hailed as one of the most innovative and successful businesses in America. Fortune magazine even named Enron America's most innovative company for six consecutive years. Despite its outward success, the cracks in Enron's facade were starting to show. The company's aggressive expansion and constant need for capital led them to take on massive amounts of debt, much of which was hidden from investors through Fasto's off-balance sheet partnerships. An amazing anecdote highlighting the company's precarious financial situation occurred in 2000, when Enron executives became increasingly concerned about a looming credit rating downgrade. Desperate to maintain their investment-grade rating, they devised a plan to temporarily park $500 million of debt off their books. This brazen act of financial manipulation was later dubbed the Nigerian Barge Transaction and became one of the key events that sparked the eventual investigation into Enron's finances. Side note, the Enron-Nigerian Barge Transaction was a controversial deal that took place in December 1999 involving the sale of three power-generating barges moored off the coast of Nigeria. Enron arranged for Merrill Lynch, a major financial institution, to buy the barges temporarily, with a promise that Enron would repurchase them within six months at a guaranteed profit for Merrill Lynch. The transaction was presented as a legitimate sale, but in reality, it was a sham deal designed to artificially boost Enron's reported profits and hide the company's financial troubles. This misleading transaction allowed Enron to record an additional $12 million in earnings, further obscuring its true financial condition. When the fraudulent nature of the deal came to light during the Enron scandal, it became one of the many examples of the company's deceptive and unethical business practices. Part 2 Smoke and Mirrors. In Part 2, we'll explore the use of off-balance sheet entities, marked-market accounting, and other creative financial maneuvers that allowed Enron to present a false image of success and profitability. One of Enron's most infamous tactics for hiding its financial woes was the use of off-balance sheet entities, also known as special-purpose entities, SPEs. These were separate legal entities, often created by Enron's CFO, Andrew Fasto. These SPEs allowed Enron to keep debt and losses off its main financial statements, making the company appear more profitable than it actually was. Little known fact, Enron had over 3,000 off-balance sheet entities with names like Chuco, LJM1, and Raptor. Many of these entities were named after Star Wars characters, as Fasto was a big fan of the franchise. The most notorious of these entities was LJM1, which was created specifically to purchase Enron's underperforming assets and keep the losses off the company's balance sheet. In reality, the deals were nothing more than a shell game, as Enron would eventually buy back the assets at a higher price, ensuring LJM1's profitability while hiding Enron's losses. Enron's use of mark-to-market accounting was another major factor in its ability to hide losses and present a false image of success. Mark-to-market accounting allowed the company to book the total expected profits from long-term energy contracts as immediate revenue, even though the actual cash from those deals would not be received for years, if at all. 
amazing anecdote. In one instance, Enron booked a $50 million profit on a deal that never materialized. The company simply assumed the deal would go through and recorded the anticipated profits as revenue, despite the fact that the deal fell through and no money ever exchanged hands. This accounting practice led to a significant disconnect between Enron's reported earnings and its actual cash flow, as the company reported massive profits while struggling with a severe cash crunch behind the scenes. In addition to off-balance sheet entities and mark-to-market accounting, Enron employed a range of other creative financial maneuvers to keep up the facade of success and profitability. One particularly unusual anecdote about Enron's toxic culture involves a scheme called Project Valhalla, which was designed to manipulate earnings reports and hide losses. In 1991, two Enron traders, Louis Borgay and Thomas Mastroini, were discovered to have diverted millions of dollars to personal offshore accounts. As the company investigated these traders' activities, they uncovered Project Valhalla, an unauthorized side project that the two traders were using to conduct high-risk trading in oil futures, aiming to generate huge profits. When these trades didn't perform as expected, the traders hid the losses by creating a series of fraudulent shell companies and shifting money between them. What makes this anecdote particularly unusual is that instead of taking strong action against the traders and reporting the incident to the authorities, Enron's management chose to sweep it under the rug. Senior management viewed the traders as top performers and even rewarded them with promotions and bonuses. The company's willingness to turn a blind eye to such blatant fraud and misconduct, while even rewarding the perpetrators, underscores the toxic culture that prevailed at Enron. Another lesser-known tactic involved using the company's own stock as collateral for loans. This allowed Enron to borrow large sums of money without recording the debt on its balance sheet, further hiding its true financial condition from investors and the public. As the House of Cards began to collapse, a few brave individuals came forward to expose Enron's fraudulent practices. One of the most prominent whistleblowers was Sharon Watkins, an Enron executive who warned then-CEO Ken Lay of the company's precarious financial situation and potential accounting fraud in an anonymous letter. Little known fact, Watkins initially wrote her letter anonymously, fearing reprisals for speaking out against the company. However, she eventually revealed her identity and became a key witness in the subsequent investigations and trials. Another whistleblower was Bethany McLean, a journalist for Fortune magazine who first raised questions about Enron's finances in a 2001 article titled, Is Enron Overpriced? McLean's investigation exposed the complex web of off-balance sheet entities and questionable accounting practices that were propping up Enron's stock price. As the truth about Enron's fraudulent practices began to surface, the company's fortunes took a dramatic turn for the worse. In October 2001, Enron announced a $638 million third-quarter loss and a $1.2 billion reduction in shareholder equity due to off-balance sheet entities. The company's stock price began to plummet, and by December, Enron filed for the largest bankruptcy in U.S. history at that time. The fallout from the Enron scandal was immense 
with thousands of employees losing their jobs and billions of dollars in shareholder value wiped out. The company's top executives, including Ken Lay, Jeff Skilling, and Andrew Fasto, faced criminal charges for their roles in the scandal. Before we end Part 2, here's an interesting question. Is there a common personality type amongst top executives willing to take excessive risks? Here are some snippets into the personal life of Enron's key players so you can decide. Kenneth Lay, Enron's founder and CEO, reportedly spent over $200,000 on his wife's birthday party, inviting a large number of friends, family, and business associates to a luxurious event held on a Mexican beach. This ostentatious display of wealth took place while Enron was heading towards bankruptcy and while thousands of employees were losing their jobs and retirement savings. Jeffrey Skilling, Enron's president and CEO, once got into a physical altercation at a bar in New York City after a night of heavy drinking. According to witnesses, Skilling was removed from the bar by security after getting into a fight with another patron. Does this incident highlight Skilling's volatile personality and his penchant for making impulsive, high-stakes decisions? Andrew Fasto, Enron's CFO, was known for his love of exotic animals. At one point, he owned a pet capybara, the world's largest rodent, which he kept in his backyard. Does this unusual pet choice demonstrate Fasto's desire for the extraordinary and a willingness to take on risky endeavors? Lou Pai, the CEO of Enron Energy Services, had a reputation for an extravagant lifestyle and was known to frequent high-end strip clubs. In one instance, he was rumored to have spent $4,000 in a single night at a club in Houston. Was his hedonistic behavior emblematic of Enron's work-hard-play-hard corporate culture? Rebecca Mark, former CEO of Enron International, was known for her passion for adventure and her willingness to take on seemingly impossible challenges. Once, during a trip to Africa for a business meeting, she decided to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, Africa's highest peak, without any prior mountaineering experience. Does her behavior exemplify the fearless and ambitious mindset that was pervasive among Enron's top executives? Part 3. The Fall in Part 3, we'll trace the unraveling of Enron's house of cards, from the first signs of trouble to the eventual bankruptcy filing. We'll examine the key events, such as the resignation of CFO Andrew Fastow and the exposure of fraudulent accounting practices by investigative journalists that ultimately led to Enron's downfall. The first cracks in Enron's facade appeared in August 2000, when the company's stock price began a slow but steady decline. This downturn was exacerbated by the collapse of the dot-com bubble and an economic slowdown, which put increased pressure on Enron's already precarious financial situation. But the most significant turning point came in February 2001, when CEO Jeffrey Skilling abruptly resigned, citing personal reasons. This unexpected departure raised eyebrows and fueled speculation about the company's stability. Little did anyone know. But Skilling's resignation was just the tip of the iceberg. In October 2001, Enron's CFO, Andrew Fastow, was forced to resign as the SEC began investigating the company's accounting practices. Fastow's departure marked a critical moment in Enron's downfall.
as he was the architect of the complex web of off-balance sheet partnerships that had allowed the company to hide its massive debt and inflate its profits. The SEC's investigation into Enron quickly gained momentum, and as more details emerged about the company's financial manipulations, its stock price plummeted. During this period, Enron's stock price fell from over $90 per share to less than $1 in just a matter of months. While the SEC was conducting its investigation, investigative journalists also played a crucial role in exposing Enron's fraudulent activities. In particular, a series of articles published by Bethany McLean and Peter Elkind in Fortune magazine brought the company's deceptive accounting practices to light. One amazing anecdote from this period was McLean's initial skepticism about Enron's financials. While examining the company's balance sheet, she asked the simple but profound question, how exactly does Enron make its money? This question would go on to trigger a deeper investigation that ultimately revealed the truth behind Enron's meteoric rise. As the extent of Enron's fraud became public knowledge, the company's situation rapidly deteriorated. In a desperate attempt to salvage the situation, Kenneth Lay, who had resumed his position as CEO following Skilling's departure, tried to orchestrate a merger with rival energy company Dynegy. However, the deal fell through when Dynegy discovered the true extent of Enron's financial problems. On December 2, 2001, Enron filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, marking the end of one of the most spectacular corporate collapses in history. At the time, it was the largest bankruptcy in U.S. history with the company having more than $63 billion in assets. Thousands of employees lost their jobs, and many more saw their retirement savings wiped out as Enron's stock became virtually worthless. In the aftermath of Enron's collapse, the fallout was immense. Criminal charges were brought against several key players, including Kenneth Lay, Jeffrey Skilling, and Andrew Fasto. Lay was convicted on 10 counts of securities fraud, but passed away before he could be sentenced. Skilling was sentenced to 24 years in prison, later reduced to 14 years, and Fastow received a six-year sentence for his role in the fraud. Part 4. Scandal's Ripple Effect In Part 4, we'll explore the wide-ranging impact of the Enron scandal. From the thousands of employees who lost their jobs and retirement savings, to the broader financial markets and public trust in corporate America. We'll also examine the legal fallout, including the prosecution and conviction of several Enron executives and the resulting changes in corporate governance and accounting regulations. When Enron filed for bankruptcy in December 2001, it didn't just take down a multi-billion dollar company, it also destroyed the lives of many of its employees. At the time of the collapse, Enron had over 20,000 employees, many of whom had invested heavily in the company's stock through their 401k retirement accounts. When the stock price plummeted, they lost not only their jobs, but also their life savings. One heart-wrenching anecdote comes from an Enron employee named Jane, who was just a few years away from retirement when the company imploded. She lost nearly $400,000 in retirement savings and was forced to take a job as a cashier at a grocery store to make ends meet. Tragically, Jane's story is just one of thousands. The collapse of Enron 
also sent shockwaves through the financial markets. The company's downfall raised serious questions about the integrity of corporate America and the effectiveness of the regulatory system. Investors began to question the validity of financial statements and the credibility of corporate executives. A quote from the time that perfectly captures this sentiment comes from an investment analyst who said, When the Enron scandal broke, it was like a bomb going off in the middle of the financial world. Investors suddenly realized that if Enron could lie so blatantly and get away with it for so long, who else might be doing the same thing? The loss of public trust led to a sharp decline in the stock market and created a ripple effect, impacting not just Enron's direct competitors, but also the entire financial sector. Investor confidence in the market would take years to recover. In the wake of Enron's collapse, the Department of Justice launched a massive investigation that would eventually lead to the prosecution and conviction of several key Enron executives, including Kenneth Lay, Jeffrey Skilling, and Andrew Fasto. One unforgettable moment from the trial was when Skilling, while on the witness stand, famously claimed, I'm innocent, and I will fight to clear my name until the day I die. Despite his protestations of innocence, Skilling was convicted on 19 counts of fraud, conspiracy, and insider trading. The Enron scandal also led to significant changes in corporate governance and accounting regulations. In 2002, Congress passed the Sarbanes-Oxley Act, which aimed to prevent future corporate fraud by strengthening oversight and accountability. One of the key provisions of the act was the requirement for CEOs and CFOs to personally certify the accuracy of their company's financial statements, making them directly accountable for any fraudulent reporting. Additionally, the Sarbanes-Oxley Act established the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board to oversee the audit industry and ensure the integrity of financial reporting. The impact of these regulations can still be felt today, as they have fundamentally changed the way companies approach financial reporting and corporate governance. Some argue that the Sarbanes-Oxley Act has made it more difficult for companies to commit fraud, while others contend that it has created a burdensome regulatory environment that stifles innovation and growth. What about the more unexpected ripples from the Enron scandal? Enron's energy trading business and the subsequent collapse contributed to the stigma attached to the traditional energy sector. This, in turn, facilitated the growth of alternative energy companies as investors started to look for more sustainable and ethically responsible investments in the wake of the Enron scandal. Whistleblower protection also improved. In response to the key role that whistleblowers played in uncovering Enron's fraudulent activities, there was an increased focus on whistleblower protections, leading to the strengthening of existing laws and the introduction of new regulations, such as the Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act. There was also an impact on documentary filmmaking. The Enron scandal was the subject of the critically acclaimed documentary, Enron, The Smartest Guys in the Room, 2005, which provided an in-depth look at the company's rise and fall. The success of this film inspired a wave of investigative documentaries that tackled various corporate scandals and social issues. This led to a resurgence in the documentary genre, with filmmakers using the medium to expose wrongdoings 
and raise awareness about important issues. Part 5. Lessons Learned In this final part, we'll reflect on the key takeaways from the Enron scandal and how they continue to shape the business world today. We'll explore the importance of transparency, accountability, and ethical leadership in corporate culture, as well as the ongoing challenges of detecting and preventing corporate fraud and corruption. So, let's dive into Part 5. If there's one overarching lesson to be learned from the Enron scandal, it's the importance of transparency in business. Enron's complex web of off-balance sheet partnerships, accounting tricks, and financial manipulation ultimately led to its downfall, and it serves as a cautionary tale for businesses and investors alike. Quote, to consider, transparency is the antidote to corruption. Peter Eigen, founder of Transparency International. This quote perfectly sums up the vital role that transparency plays in fostering trust and integrity in the business world. Another critical lesson from Enron's downfall is the importance of accountability and ethical leadership in corporate culture. Enron's toxic culture, which rewarded results above all else and turned a blind eye to unethical behavior, played a significant role in its collapse. Quote to consider, the function of leadership is to produce more leaders, not more followers. Ralph Nader. This quote underscores the importance of leaders who inspire their employees to act with integrity and uphold the highest ethical standards. Anecdote. One example of ethical leadership in action can be seen in the response of some companies to the Enron scandal. In the wake of the collapse, several businesses re-examined their own corporate governance practices and implemented new measures to ensure transparency and accountability, from appointing independent board members to developing more robust internal controls. These proactive steps demonstrate that businesses can learn from the mistakes of the past and create a culture that prioritizes ethical behavior. And a final thought. Could an Enron-style fraud happen again? Consider the recent case of the German payment processor Wirecard, which collapsed in 2020 after it was revealed that 1.9 billion euros was missing from its balance sheet. This case serves as a reminder that even in the age of advanced technology and regulatory oversight, corporate fraud and corruption can still persist. So with the sorry tale of Enron coming to an end, and machinations still ongoing in the case of Wirecard, here are our five key takeaways for investors today. Trust your instincts. If something doesn't seem right or is too good to be true, it's essential to trust your instincts and dig deeper. Enron's complex financial structures and aggressive accounting practices should have raised red flags for many investors. Be cautious and take the time to understand a company's business model and financial statements before investing. Diversification is key. One of the core principles of investing is diversification, spreading your investments across various industries and asset classes to reduce risk. The Enron collapse serves as a reminder of the importance of not putting all your eggs in one basket, as the fallout from the company's collapse had far-reaching effects on the market. Seek independent opinions. It's crucial to seek out independent and unbiased sources of information about the companies you invest in. During Enron's rise, some analysts and journalists were too close to the company, 
making it difficult for them to see the flaws in Enron's business model. By seeking out a variety of sources, you can gain a more balanced view and make more informed investment decisions. Understand the importance of corporate governance. The Enron scandal highlights the vital role that strong corporate governance plays in ensuring a company's long-term success. Look for companies with independent board members, robust internal controls, and a commitment to transparency and accountability. These factors can help protect your investments from potential fraud and mismanagement. Stay vigilant and continually reassess your investments. The investing landscape is constantly changing, and it's essential to stay informed about the companies in your portfolio. Regularly reassess your investments and monitor their performance to ensure that they continue to align with your financial goals and risk tolerance. By staying vigilant and proactive, you can better identify potential red flags and protect your investments from possible problems down the line. And don't forget to subscribe to Money Mayhem so you can listen to new episodes in this and other series dropping every Friday. Whether you're an aspiring financial wizard, a seasoned investor, or just a curious soul looking to learn from the past, there's something in this roller coaster ride for everyone. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to stay up to date on all the thrilling episodes in our series. And one last shout out. If you found our episodes both enlightening and entertaining, please consider leaving a tip in our virtual tip jar via the link in the description. Giving from as little as a single dollar and beyond will help support our mission to provide quality, engaging, and informative content that educates and empowers. Every little bit counts, and we greatly appreciate your support in helping us keep the conversation going. Until next time, May your financial journey be filled with excitement, adventure, and, most importantly, wisdom.